Well, welcome everybody to the podcast, Marketing, Management, and Money. Uh, I'm here with Ethan Migliori, and uh, we're going to talk about something. So this comes from the training, Growth by the Numbers, and it's actually one of my favorite sections of Growth by the Numbers, even though I don't think people understand how much useful information is tied up in this little sheet. So, uh, so, so this is an excerpt from Growth by the Numbers where it talks about sources and uses of cash. And I think that people make cash flow a lot more complex than it needs to be. You know, they, they really kind of get hung up on, on little things that don't matter that much. And, and I feel like this summarizes everything and makes it very concise, easy to understand. So that's what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be covering sources and uses of cash um, and so I don't know, is anything you want to kick off with? Cause I, I, I just like the chart because as you look at it, uh, especially when you talk about funding operations, okay. Cause funding of starting a business is one thing, but once you're in business mm. and now you need to fund operations because of a large contract that comes in or something, I like the idea of it because it helps you think through what are the funding options I have available right. besides just the traditional bank loan? Right, right. So before we get into the actual table here in the chart, uh, I want to put something out there that I think is important that a lot of people don't understand when it comes to cash flow, and that's that word flow. For whatever reason, people don't get cash flow. So uh, this is how I like to look at it. If I'm dealing with cash flow, it's very similar to how a river will flow. If it rains up north and that river's flowing south, it's going to take some time for that water to come from, you know, where the yeah. source originates all the way down to, you know, where, where it's going to drain into the ocean or a reservoir or something like that. And I want to look at reservoirs here. So we live in the Southwest and there's a ton of reservoirs. Like this is what we rely on for our water. We don't get enough rain out here. So we have to store the water in these reservoirs. And the interesting thing is you can have a completely full reservoir and be in a drought year. Right. And you can have a wet year and have the <laughs> reservoir be empty because of the flow of the water, where where the water's coming. Like, uh, you know, a lot of people, if you're following the news, uh, and I know that this is specific to where we live, but it's become big enough news, like the Great Salt Lake is drying up, and one of the issues is snowpack. And it took me a while to realize, okay, what's the big deal between snowpack versus rain? And out here, rain does not serve us as well as snow serves That's us. That's right. Because the snow... It melts slowly and gets into the groundwater. But, you know, you get into the canyon country that, that we have in Utah, all of that red rock, and when it, it rains, runs right off. it just runs right off and flash floods. Yeah. And so, you know, a flash flood, we don't get to keep any of that water. So it's like, wow, all of a sudden, all this water is coming in, but we don't get to keep any of that water. But when we get snowpack, we get to keep that water. And it takes sometimes months, years for that to get to where we actually get to use it. And so when you look at cash flow, it's very similar to, you know, rain flow or water flow. Right. And that's why they use the term flow. Uh, you know, I, I don't, so many people, like, <laughs> it makes sense. Put it together. 
you know, so when we're talking about cash flow, just think about the flow, you know, just because water is raining today doesn't mean that I'm going to have the water that I need to, you know, water my crops unless I put irrigation in. Well, well and a classic example and a simple one is accounts receivable, mm-hmm. right? If someone buys something on account for me versus paying cash, cash, I get the result of it right now, right? right? Like rain. Yeah. Okay. Accounts receivable is like a snowpack, <laughs> right? It's coming in sometime out into the future and eventually right, gets right. to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so as we're going through this, as we're looking at the, uh, the sources of cash, keep that in the back of your mind. You know, don't, don't get too hung up on, you know, the, the, the subtleties of cash flow. And there is, you know, you, you brought up accounts receivables and we could do a whole episode on managing accounts receivables. Don't get that hung up. That's not what we're talking about today. We're just right. looking at the sources and uses of cash when it comes to funding a business. So I've said my piece. We're good to move in. <laughs> well, why don't we start with kind of that first one, internal cash right. from sales? Because that's, uh, for me, the area that you have the most opportunity or leadway if it's done right. Mm-hmm. Um, because sales either makes or breaks you. Sales, you know, there's no limit on what you can bring in in sales, right? It's expenses, i.e. you can only cut them so much yep. to generate cash. But sales, there is no limit, Yeah. right? So that's why I like that you've listed that one first because to me, it's the most opportunistic. So sales is interesting. Everyone thinks that more sales equals more cash. And sales and cash move in opposite directions. Yeah, they're inverse. They are inverse. And if you don't understand what that means... Um, well, we had to take a minute and talk about it because if you understand it, it will make more sense in some of the other parts of this, I think. Okay. Okay. It only take us, I think we can explain it in a minute or less. So we're not eating a whole <laughs> you, episode. You, you think like, so. I've done full episodes on this. I've done full trainings on this. You know, like. That's true. So <laughs> in a nutshell, <laughs> is, is sales increase and we have that cash coming in. In order to keep up with sales, we're spending our cash um, in a way to help maintain the sales, right? Mm-hmm. So as sales come in, our cash is going out really fast. And if sales increases so much that now the, we get a too big of a gap, we just can't make up the difference and it causes us logistics inside the company. So that's what we're trying to solve is not, is to manage as the cash is coming in from sales, is to manage it so that we don't get too big of a gap. Right. So my preferred way of explaining this quickly is to look at inventory. Mm-hmm. So if I, why do I buy inventory to sell it? You know, I want to make a sale, but what comes first, the sale or the inventory? The inventory. I, if, if, if I open my store and I have nothing to sell, no one's going to buy from me. That's so right. I open the store and then I fill the shelves with inventory. And whether you're a physical store or an online store, it's the same concept, right? But I have to have that inventory and then I get to sell that and what do I do when I sell it? You buy more inventory. I buy more inventory. So as sales are increasing, what do I have to do? Increase my inventory stock. And so all of that money that I'm thinking would go to my cash is now going into inventory. You know, inventory and accounts receivables, they're the two big ones that are going to suck your cash. It's, it's always inventory and accounts receivables. There are some other things that are going to, you know, suck the cash. But yeah. really, you know, that... And so... I think people can understand they're like, oh yeah, I got to buy stuff before I can sell it. And then when I sell it, I have to replenish it. 
And so that creates that cycle or that flow that we were talking about at the beginning. And, and if sales increase so much and I have to hire someone else to actually take the raw material to produce the inventory, I've just lost more cash. Yeah. So there is an inverse relationship and you've got to keep that in the back of your mind so that you don't make a poor decision. Right. So with that, I think we've laid some good groundwork. Uh, let's jump into, so I'm, I'm looking at this and the way that I broke it out when I did the training is I wanted to look at pros and cons because there's not a right or wrong answer. It's trade-offs. It's okay. If I'm going to, you know, focus on cash flow from sales, there are good things from that. And then there are negative things from that. So the good things, um, and I did condense this down. This is not an exhaustive list. This isn't everything that you could have happen, but I condense it down for the sake of the training. So I want to look at the three things that are listed. It's the most sustainable form of cash flow. So once you get that flow, that cycle moving, it's very sustainable to keep it moving. Uh, and, and this is something, well, let me, let me get through all three and then we'll start to pick them apart. Okay. So uh, does not require any form of payback. I think that's a big deal. And then internal cash flow can only come from healthy, well-managed companies. So kind of a side benefit here of, uh, you know, if I've got internal cash flow, it's a sign that I'm managing my company well. So I I, want to talk about that sustainable piece for a second. Um, When, you know, when I'm a startup, And startups are not just new companies. You can also have a startup project. Uh, You can launch into new markets. You know, you could go international. Uh, You you could go into, uh, you know, new, uh, um, like, new sectors if if all of a sudden you're expanding your business. And so when I say startup, I'm talking launching any sort of of new venture concept. And so um, anytime that I'm in startup, what do I need? I need a lot of cash, like, Startups suck cash. That's what they want. They're so cash hungry. And so when I'm looking at the sustainability, that's a sign saying, oh, I've kind of made it out of that startup phase and into a long-term sustainable phase. It's a great hurdle or a great milestone for your company when, when you hit that. Well, and you bring up a fantastic point with that last comment when you talk about sustainable because everything to do with funding is getting away from, <laughs> right, from that short-term, just uh, give me a shot in the arm type to, to this long-term sustainability, mm-hmm. right? And and too often funding and the sources of funding can be short-term and actually detrimental. And so if you look at large corporations, uh, well-managed companies, those that are outside of that uh, initial stage that have been there for years, they have those models of funding that are sustainable, mm-hmm. okay? And, it, and some of them deal with debt and equity um, and sales. I mean, it's all a of them do a mix. Yeah, you right? know, a good, healthy mix. And, and for each industry, it might be a slightly different percentage of that mix in order to create the right sustainability so that they have that growth that they want. Yeah, yeah. No, I think well said, well said. Should we look at the drawbacks? Yeah, yeah. So... Right here, um, can limit growth of the business. Uh, and I think that's a big one. Well, I have a bad habit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over all of them and then <laughs> give my comments. Can make a business less competitive. Is difficult to get started, especially for product-based businesses. So the, these top two are very similar, uh, limiting the growth and losing a competitive edge. 
I've seen a lot of small businesses that they only want to do internal cash. They only want to look at cash from the sales. They're like, okay, every month, every penny that I make, I put back into the business and that's how I grow. And it's a safe, secure way to grow. Well, and bootstrapping is okay in some cases. It is. And I mean, you have a whole training that talks about the importance of bootstrapping. Right. Um, but <laughs> depending on a few variables, it's not always the best way to do it. Well, and the problem, this is where the issue comes in. When you have a proven model and you're ready for growth, if you're too hesitant to, you know, take get, that risk and yeah. yeah, get the external, you know, whether that's debt or equity. And if you want to do everything on your own, well, your competitors, they're going to go out and they're going to get that loan. And now all of a sudden, they've got 10 times the inventory that you do. They've opened up three right. locations and you're still doing your one location and you're going to get put out of business. That's right. And so you cannot be so conservative in a competitive environment. You know, I, I look at sports. We do a lot of sports analogies. Yeah. At some point, you know, like here, this is what you do to play well. But sometimes you got to break those rules because otherwise... That's right. You know, Sometimes on fourth down, you have to go for it. <laughs> yeah, and that's what makes the, the game the, exciting. The win will not happen unless you go for the fourth down. Mm -hmm. You know, And, and I get that there's situations in which you do it that, that make sense. But the same thing with business, that, that there are scenarios in which when the cards are played just right, you've got to learn to have that risk tolerance yeah. to, to move through those... Uh, situations to have that growth that you need. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great. Um, anything else you want to talk about on that internal side of things? No. And just a big picture though, as we start getting through this one, um, I find that as I talk with people and it comes to funding and I start using a weird word, everyone just kind of shake their head. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. So, my advice is that <laughs> if we use a word that you don't know or a term you don't know, please don't take the time to research it. And more importantly, if someone is out getting financing and a term comes up and I, when we get into, into the last column, when you talk about equity, sometimes in equity, there's a term called waterfall. Um, is the water, is it just same principle? It just trickles down mm -hmm. into certain pots and who gets what, right? Yeah. Um, if someone uses that term and you don't know what it is, don't just shake your head and say, oh, yeah, okay, I know what you're talking about. No, ask questions because in financing, if you don't understand it, it's very costly, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So keep in mind that if we use something as we talk about terms and we, you know, because I, you know, one of the things I want to talk about, if time permits, as we get into it, is hedging because okay. a lot of people forget to use hedging as a way of funding, um, depending on your industry. Um, but if you don't understand that one, go look it up, understand it, because it may be something that could be beneficial for you. Don't just shake your head. And especially if you're working with a broker and all of a sudden they said, well, hey, maybe we should consider some hedging. And you go, oh, yeah, okay. No, if you don't understand it, don't just say, look, I'm not sure what you mean. Yeah. It's, it's safer to do that because otherwise it could be costly. Well, and, and I think that uh, we usually do this at the end of the show, saying, hey, you know, reach out to us, marketingmanagementmoney.com, Ryan at marketingmanagementmoney.com, um, you know, put your, your thoughts in the comment section. So I'm sneaking this in right now. 
mm-hmm. because you know if you do have questions about something that we're saying uh, or if you disagree with something you're like no 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 that doesn't work like we want to hear from you so please go ahead put that in the comments uh, reach out to us online via email social media we're on Instagram you know so what whatever makes sense for you but yeah reach out to us uh, we, we we love the discussion we love to engage in that so okay uh, let's look at uh, external uh, cash flow. And uh, so external, there are two big ones. You've got the debt and you've got the equity. Yes. And, uh, you know, I look at uh, equity as ownership. So if I'm going to give a part of my company in any form or fashion, you know, uh, when when you start talking about different ways of, uh, you know, I mean, you mentioned that you wanted to get into some hedging. And, and I look at this and I say, okay, when people start looking at equity and they forget that they're actually giving away ownership, ownership uh, that can be done in promises, that can be done, you know, formally with, yeah. you know, founders agreements or with, you know, equity uh, agreements that can be done with shares, uh, that can be done with, uh, you know, like informal IOUs. Uh, and that kind of goes back to the promises. But... I, I think people underestimate when they're in business. I see this happen all the time where there's an assumption that's made where they're like, oh, yeah, once this takes off, then, you know, we'll take care of you uh, to employees. Be careful. If you're if you're working with employees right. and, and all of a sudden you're making them a promise, you're saying, okay, I want you to grow this, this section of our business. And they do. They grow the section of the business. They, you know, there's an expectation that, that they get something for that. So, so equity in its truest form is going to be ownership, but you know, it, it gets broader and then, uh, liabilities is going to be the debt. Uh, you know, it's an IOU it's, uh, you know, money that has been borrowed that has to be paid back. And again, there are pros and cons debt and equity, right? Yeah. Well, which one do you want to tackle first? Uh, let's just keep going in order. Okay. We'll, so on the liabilities, then I'll kind of go through the list of the pros. There uh, can be a good way to grow your company quickly. Allows the owner to leverage their business and get more for less, which is what corporations are great at, and they always have a mix of debt in there. Yeah. Uh, the last one you have in there: some liabilities don't have interest expenses, i.e., vendor credits, interest-free loans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, and, and generally, when we talk about liabilities, uh, the most common one is we just have taken a loan, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, you got to remember that there's other forms of that besides just I'm going to the bank and doing the loan that sometimes can be very painful. Uh, I Both you and I run into people all the time that have uh, created growth for their business through credit cards. So okay, can, can I give you kind of an extreme example? Yeah. So I was working with this lady once, and uh, she asked me to come in, do an analysis of her company, and we're looking at the company, and she's like, oh, yeah, I have no debt. What do you mean you have no debt? You know, I, I was kind of shocked that because she was the sole owner. There weren't other yeah. people owning it. She's like, oh, yeah, I have no debt. And I'm like, how does that work? And come to find out, she had refinanced her house, and she had taken all of the debt of the company. So she had racked up some pretty serious credit card debt for the company. Took a home equity loan. Took a home equity loan, paid off the credit card, because in her mind, she's thinking, 
oh, I've got really high interest rate on credit cards, and now I'm going to do a home equity, and you know lower. it's going to get a lower rate. I'm just the like, logic is correct because you want the lower interest rate, but, but the you process still have was, debt. Yeah, the process was bad. I'm like, ah, unless your company is now making debt payments to yourself so, exactly. over the next 30 years because that's how long your mortgage is. Yeah. Oh, you. Well, but this is a great, you just bring up a great piece that people forget too often. And that is when you run your business, okay, your personal life and your business life have to be separate. <laughs> Yeah. And in this case, she's merged them, uh-huh. right? And so you think that, no, uh, there's no debt in the company. Well, no, uh, you. if I take a home equity loan, the business needs to be paying me for that, right? Yeah. Do, do the full calculation, not just a partial calculation. Because that's what she had done, is a partial calculation. Yeah. She looked at interest rate for interest rate. She's like, okay, high interest rate, low interest rate, I'm good. But she didn't calculate the duration. So she was, you Years. know, credit card is short-term debt. That's right. And she moved short-term to long-term, which is... Which it, it, well, it helps create some sustainability because I don't have as high a payment, Right. Leverages a little bit of cash. I, I get why she did it, but she but, didn't apply the right principles so that it ultimately would have the most I, impact for the I, company. Yeah, and, and I'm looking at this and I'm saying, okay, you're going to be paying on that piece of inventory for 30 years. Yeah. Inventory turns need to happen within a year. Or less. Or less, yeah. You, <laughs> well, like 90 days. If it's food, you got to be turning <laughs> it daily, right? Yeah, and, and so... I'm thinking 30 years, sure, you're feeling the benefits today where right. you're like, oh, this is great because it freed up cash flow. You know, we're talking about cash flow here. Right. And so she freed up all this cash flow. But what will happen is, you know, when her company continues to move forward, she's going to have this dead weight. And it was yeah. tucked into her personal finance, so the company won't feel the dead weight, but she'll feel the dead weight for 30 years. And if you compound that interest over that period of time, that inventory just got expensive. She lost money by yeah. selling that inventory. Well, and that home equity loan, this is one of the, when we talk about funding family, friends, and former, <laughs> former family and friends. But that, because think about it, if, if there's a spouse involved in that, Who's now making that house payment? I uh, yeah right yeah is it is it my spouse from their job that is now bringing that money in to make the payment probably because if I say hey look I know how no longer have debt with my company and I feel great but it's see that one is one of those perceived but the reality of it is that debt is still there yeah and and so. Uh, I, we we, we kind of got off. We went on the negative of liability. <laughs> we were supposed to be talking about the positive. I, I want to jump back in a little bit. Uh, can be a good way to quickly grow a company. It can also be a safe way to quickly grow a company. There's a lot of security in debt. People get bent out of shape when they go to get a business loan, a bank loan, and they yeah. get rejected. And I'm like, you should actually appreciate that because you just had a qualified advisor who reviewed your financials and identified some problems. If they're a good banker, they'll tell you why they rejected you. They'll say, you know what, your debt to uh, equity is too high or you don't have enough current assets to support or you don't have a sales history. They're telling you point blank the exact things to work on. Like, you know, if I hire a personal trainer 
and that personal trainer says, you're doing good, good job. No, I want the personal trainer to come and say, okay, you have bad form on your squats. You're going to end up hurting your low back unless you correct your form. Here are the corrective exercises. I still have to do the work, but I just got all that advice. So, you know, if, if you get rejected for a bank loan, ask them why. Get the specifics. Why did I just get rejected? And then that tells you, oh, this is what I need to work on. This is how I need to clean up. But it's still, it's a great way. Debt is a healthy way to grow a company. You know, it's a good mix of debt is good. I always say Fortune 500 companies are kind of a standard to help you understand good business practices, right? Sure. As a whole. And when you look at them as a whole, it's not uncommon for them to have 40 to 60% of their portfolio in debt. Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. Because it's freeing up cash that now they allow that cash flow cycle that they understand really well to to manage it and be effective for them so that they stay competitive. Typically lower interest rates than equity. Um, it uh, gives you the competitive advantage that you right. need that, you know, we talked about that disadvantage on, on the uh, internal uh, cash flow side. So, yeah, a lot of great things there. And, and why we're on this one, because a lot of times uh, if you're a little bit out of balance on your balance sheet, mm-hmm. right, because there's things that we call, you know, financing that's off the balance sheet. <laughs> For instance, a loan is on the balance sheet. A lease is not. Okay. Right? Yeah, great example. Yeah. So so when you get into trying to strengthen your portfolio, if you know I need financing and you got to be going for a loan, if you have an option to lease something versus buying it to free up uh, how it looks on your balance sheet to strengthen it, sometimes that lease, even though it's not the best option, it's a better option to allow you to get acquire other financing to allow you to grow. Yeah. And, and I love that you're pointing this out because so we're sitting here talking about cash flow. I personally, when I look at a balance sheet, I like people to understand how cash is moving throughout that entire balance sheet because that's a great way. A lot of people are confused with the balance sheet. It doesn't make sense to them. And if you can understand how cash is being impacted by different line items of a balance sheet, then it's going to make it easier to digest the whole balance sheet and not get so overwhelmed with, well, I I don't know the difference between, you know, current liabilities and long-term liabilities and what that even means for my business. If you can understand, well, okay, what's the cash impact of your current liabilities versus your long-term liabilities? If you can understand that piece, you can understand what's actually happening. Yeah. And, and a cheap plug, I know that your whole growth by the numbers training spends a lot of time on that balance sheet. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with it, uh, there are good things out there, including your growth by the numbers, which is one of my favorites. Um, so don't hesitate to get some better education in it because in the long run, understanding your financials and those relationships is important because it will allow you to be more uh, effective in what you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So looking at some of the negative stuff there on the liabilities then, debt is expensive, especially early on in that business, mm-hmm. okay, because of interest rates and especially if it's credit card debt, right? Uh, too much debt c- can ruin a company can be difficult to acquire for startup businesses, requires owners to put up collateral and use their personal credit, especially as a startup. I, I was going to say, can can we talk about the owner's collateral and personal credit? Uh, some of these, I think, are pretty straightforward. Like, you know, too much debt is bad for a company. We all know that. There's a lot of nuances that we could talk about, but yes. this personal collateral piece, 
I'm surprised at how many entrepreneurs don't realize what they just signed <laughs> on to. Well, I tell everyone, when you go and get a business loan, okay, as we're working on business plans and their financials and putting all that together, when you go and get that loan, you're going to put a personal guarantee on it. Yeah. Okay. Which means it doesn't matter what you think you've separated out. They have language in there that says you will give a personal guarantee. Mm -hmm. And if it's an SBA loan, like it just notched up yeah. in, in that personal guarantee. And people don't realize that. And I'm not saying that SBA loans are bad, but if you don't understand them, they can be bad. And you've got to be, because, so you file bankruptcy on an SBA loan? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's still there. <laughs> so read the fine print. <laughs> yeah. And, and if you're not sure about any of this one, uh, here's a, uh, there's experts out there. You have SCORE, uh, you have SBDCs. I should probably do the acronyms. I don't know. SCORE is senior something. I don't remember. Oh. Anyways, it's usually retired professionals that now are volunteering their time yeah. to help mentor people right. who are in startup and early stages. Small business development centers are out there. You have, most states have some type of a procurement and technical assistance. Mm -hmm. So if I'm a type of business where I want to do some government contracting. So anyways, there are professionals out there who are free or very, very low cost that can help walk you through some of this. And, and we recently did that episode on mentors. And yeah, so, right. you know, if, you, if you're trying to understand what a good mentor is, check out that episode that we just did. Uh, it goes in depth on, you know, good mentors versus not good mentors, how to find them, how to identify them, when you need them, what to use them for. Uh, really a great episode. So, Okay. Right. Should we look at the equity side of things? Yes. Okay. Because equity tends to be the most complicated one when you really get into it. It, it has, yeah, there's a lot that that is moving there. So uh, um, can be an inexpensive way to start a business. Now, I know I said I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to immediately analyze this one because I want to look at the con. <laughs> Equity is expensive later on in the business. Too many small business owners uh, that are strapped for cash think that equity is cheap. It's not. It's very expensive. It's usually more expensive than debt. It just defers when you end up paying that. So if you're trying to grow your business and you've got like a key employee and you're offering them equity, I see this happen a lot where you're telling that employee, hey, why don't I give you a, you know, a portion of this company? Don't do that on a whim. Be very smart in doing that. Seek advice before doing yeah. that. Competent advice from people who have been there uh, because you will cause a lot of problems if you don't. And, and so anyway. Well, and this is where that waterfall effect that we talk about comes in is if you think about a fountain, a little bit at the top and it gets bigger the next layer and bigger the next layer and it gets bigger the next layer in order to catch the water that keeps spilling. Well, that's exactly what happens with equity is that it, it looks... At the beginning, there's nothing there, but when you actually get into the next layer of it, it's more costly and more costly and more costly. Yeah, yeah. And that so, water trickles and spills out. Yeah. Okay, the other pros, uh, in addition to money, equity investors can bring expertise to the business and then can be less formal or easier to structure a deal. So um, this kind of gets into partnerships. 
And if ever I'm going to, you know, have someone with equity, they better have some expertise to my business. Like I, I want them to either have industry knowledge or maybe they have some marketing expertise. Uh, they're going to bring something to the table other than just money. Because if they're only bringing money to the table, I'm going to default to debt. Debt is usually yes. safer and easier than equity. But with equity, if I'm getting someone who, you know, they're now buy, bought into the company, they have ownership. They own part of the company. And so with that ownership, I expect them to bring some expertise to the table, help the company grow, be there with me when I'm trying to make some tough decisions. And, you know, so. Well, I, and my fear with that one is always when, because it's not if the partnership (laughs) is going to go bad. (laughs) It's when that partnership decides to dissolve, whether from mutual agreement that was set up in the beginning or finally some frustration that that equity is always expensive on the back end because if I own 20% of that company and we've been growing and I want 20% of its value, rarely do businesses have 20% of its value in cash. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if I need to pay someone off or get out of that, now all of a sudden do I take debt to meet an equity obligation? Payment terms. Yeah. You know, it's so I'm going to say something right here. And that is get it in writing. If ever (laughs) I'm going to do equity, get it in writing. And I'm not opposed to you writing your own contracts. Um, I had an experience early on uh, in my, uh, you know, in my experience where I was doing an equity agreement with someone and we hired an attorney to put together a founder's agreement. It honestly was a mistake because it had a bunch of legal jargon. It was way more complicated than what we need. It didn't cover a lot of the aspects that we needed. We would have been better off writing our own. Now, there are times where a legal advisor is 100% the best way to go. But depending on the level, this was just a little side project. We, we wanted to see if something was going to work, and we really should have taken it a little bit more casual because it didn't hurt us. It just wasted money. Like the legal advisor was expensive, and well, and, you know. I, and I know you've done a podcast uh, where we and I don't know if you did it if it was we. Anyways, we've talked about it so much. I can't believe that there's not a podcast where there's about fifty fifty five questions that if you're going to have any type of a partnership of things you need to be exploring. We we did yeah. So um, that is uh, on marketingmanagementmoney.com. You can uh, you can find that podcast. Um, and I I don't know. I'd, I'd have to reference it. Uh, well, maybe you can reference it, and then we'll put it down in the in the comments. Yeah. So, but, but we do have that. So if you're, if you're doing an equity agreement, we do have a podcast on what to look for questions to ask. Okay. Go with the negative side. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, equity is expensive later on in the business. We already talked about that one. Uh, it requires the owner to give up a portion of ownership. Equity can hide a poorly managed company, Owners can easily put too much in equity. I want to talk about that hiding poorly managed companies. People don't realize this, that if you... So just like we stated that internal cash flow is a sign of health, it's sustainable, Mm -hmm. it shows good management, 
equity hides bad management. And so if I am funding a business very heavy on equity, I need other things in place, checks and balances in place on the management side because you can get a lot of managers. Uh, and when I say managers, these are oftentimes the owners, CEOs, you know, people that are high up in management. I'm not talking middle management here. I'm talking high up in management that they can make some really bad decisions and those bad decisions will not percolate up until much later on because they're buried under equity. It looks like the company's doing well because equity is coming into the business. Yeah. And equity, I, I get equity is a powerful way to grow a business. It really can be. But uh, I'm always going to put out there that anytime you get equity involved, there needs to be some type of a contract uh, even if it's between you and your company, right? Yeah. Because that's the most common equity form, especially in startups, that that arrangement is between you and your company so that when that company's growth starts to happen, that it's you have a legal document that says, this is why this company is paying me back because of this investment that I made into it. We've kept it clean the whole time. And now as that money starts to come back in, it relieves a lot of stress on the personal side of it. Mm-hmm as long as well as now you know that the company is stable and is growing because it can pay off that equity because you, you don't want to be five years into a startup and not received any payment back on your equity. Well, and that's, that makes me nervous. It, it, it helps have some milestones to keep in check. Is your business growing the way you want it to grow? So, you know, if I am putting money in and expecting dividends to come out, you know, the rate of those dividends helps me measure, am I hitting my goals? Maybe I had aggressive goals. Maybe I had, you know, passive goals. It depends on what stage of life I'm in or why I'm starting my business. Uh, you know, if if I retired and I want to start a business because I've got time on my hand, I've got, you know, a lot of expertise because I have, you know, three or four decades, uh, you know, where I've done something. And this is a pretty common thing. You'll see a lot of retirees that they want to start a business and they take the skill set that they've accumulated over a lifetime. They've now put it into a business. Well, their dividend payout and their equity relationship with the company is going to be very different than someone who, you know, just graduated from college. They went out and they, you know, they, they, they got a loan. They started a business. The business is now doing well. And now they're out scrambling to grab equity because they can't get any more loans because they're not quite to that level. You know, these are very different businesses needing very different contracts between the owner and the business. Yeah. So equity that I, when it comes to everything with equity, whether that's angel investors, venture capitalists, et cetera, there's a reason they're always going to have contracts when they do those deals. And that's the same attitude I share with other people. Look, if you're going to be investing equity into your company, treat it just like it's another individual legally a different yeah. and put those contracts in place. Yeah. Okay? You'll avoid a lot of that when it gets into it. And, and then it's, like you say, as you start paying yourself back, it's just cleaner on the books to do that one. But um, the, the reality of it is, is when you look at all three of these, it's not uncommon to have a mix in your financing that has all three of them to maintain a healthy growth. Yeah. And 
and I know that we kind of cut into each one individually, but it's, you know, when you, when you get into it and, uh, you know, you look at sales, I mean, you can look at buying on account, you can look at purchase orders to leverage stuff, you know, that are, is on that side, you know, that's important as we, as we look to grow and we need additional inventory, you know, um, when you get into the liabilities, sometimes we have, uh, how we can leverage, uh, I mean, people literally, and when I say this to some people, they don't know, but if you're an established company, you can leverage your accounts receivables to get funding. Yeah. People will buy against those accounts receivables as long as there's a track Doing record. Doing factoring on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To do some of that stuff. So, so there's all kinds, as you get into this, there's all kinds of methods inside of that. And, you know, and, and hedging is probably the least common because generally you're dealing with hardcore commodities like crops and oil and uh, minerals and things like that. Okay. So you wanted to talk hedging. I I think, I think we've kind of buttoned up the, the basics. Let's go off into, you know, some tangents here. We'll, (laughs) we'll wrap up with some tangents. So, well, I just, I find it funny that so often that we have opportunities inside of a business to do some hedging, but uh, and hedging is essentially basically I, I'm buying futures, so I I know that I'm going to produce something, and I'm going to sell it at this price. But too often we think, well, yeah, but if something changes, I can make more money, right? Yeah. Well, if something changes, you could lose a lot of money. So, the hedging piece of it is the whole idea behind it is that I know that when I produce this one, I'm going to sell it at this rate, and I will make a profit, mm-hmm. right? And and so there's. Uh, so many opportunities, even with just traditional uh, manufacturing, to do some hedging, so that we know that when we produce stuff, we're going to sell it. it. The most common is really in crops and minerals and things like that. But but but, but I want to point this out, and this is something important to understand, and that is. As your business grows, there's hidden opportunities yes. for you to make additional money. So you're bringing up the example of hedging, but most successful companies, they will have, you know, these these side on the income statement it's called other income. And, you know, like there, there are other ways for you to make money outside of your core business. Hedging is a great example of, you know, like you Mm -hmm. can do that other forms of investment. It's not uncommon to see that you're going to take some of your cash flow and instead of investing it directly into your business, you're going to invest it into someone else's business. It's a great way to diversify. Large corporations. I mean, we have local companies who large corporations have said, we want to purchase you. Well, maybe we don't want to purchase you, but we need a better arrangement because you can produce something that we need. And so we want to have a high stake in what you do. Yeah. Right. So, so large corporations, it's not uncommon for them to take and invest in other companies. So they have some control of what they do because it produces a nice flow in that product line to help them be more sustainable. Yeah. And so when we're looking at this, I mean, this is cash flow. We're, we're talking about, you know, what are ways to to bring some cash in? I want to talk about another one real quick. And I, I'm not trying to, you know, steer off too far, but this one comes up a lot, especially post-COVID, and that is grant money. And everyone's like, oh, isn't grant money a form of cash flow? And I'm like, yeah, it's it's cash. So this is my advice. First off, I put grant money in a similar category to equity, 
meaning that you know so i'm 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 going to i'm i'm going to read through these and you'll see that this this will follow you know grant money yeah. so it can be an inexpensive way to start a business <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right yes. okay uh, in addition to money uh, grant uh, grantors can bring expertise to the business so yes. i'm looking for this if someone's going to give my business a grant how much are they going to help my business i've seen businesses that have received grant money they don't know what they're doing. They're getting a grant to go into something that makes no sense to them. It's like, oh, cool. You know, I now got a grant from the federal government to go into military, yeah. you know, weapon development. Like, do you know anything about, you know, weapon yeah. development? Well, no, but we've got technology. I'm like, yeah. okay, if they're not bringing equity to the table, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. So can be less formal or easier to structure a deal. I've seen grant money that's, you know, yeah. doled out. It's just like, okay. And, and, you know, post-COVID, it happened a lot. So here are the cons side, right? Uh, grants are expensive later on in the business. Where do they cost money? Where do grants cost money? Time. Yeah, a lot of time. A lot of time. Especially if you have to report on it for five years afterwards. This is crazy. If you look at a lot of grants, the more uh, established, sophisticated grants, they will always ask about your staffing capabilities. They want to know if you have enough staff to manage the paperwork and the accounting of the grant. Well, most of them want to know the long-term effects of what that investment is, which means they have to track it for years into the future mm -hmm. to do it. And as part of that, then it justifies the continuation of those funds to help other organizations. And, and so, you know, what's an accounting hour to my company? I'm going to say at least 30 bucks. You know, and that's on the cheap side. That's on the cheap side. <laughs> like it, it could be a hundred dollars or more, depending on who's actually managing that. But I'm, yeah. I'm assuming that you've got kind of, you know, an office staff that that is managing mm -hmm. that. And I'm saying, okay, you're thirty bucks an hour. If they're putting twenty hours uh, into this, <laughs> that was six hundred dollars that your company just spent on that free money. Yeah. And, and it does, I'm not trying to say it's bad. I'm trying to say understand what you're looking at. But if you're paying, you know, your CFO who's 150 bucks an hour and they put the same 20 hours into it, right. that now just cost you, if I do my math right, is that $3,000? Yeah, $3,000. And so, yeah. you know, that grant just cost you $3,000 because your CFO has to manage it. Oh, so anyway, uh, requires the owner to give up a portion of ownership the grant they they dictate things yes they, they tell you what markets you sell in and what you, you can use the money for <laughs> what the standards what are and if you don't meet those standards what reports you require to do back <laughs> yeah um yeah. Uh, grants can uh, hide poorly managed companies <laughs> We'll just cute. chuckle and move on. Uh, and then owners can easily take too much in grants. <laughs> like, yes. I, I put it in the equity category. It's, it's, not, it's not bad money, but it's not free money. <laughs> so. You could make uh, a nice meme out of this one. <laughs> I, I know, it, but it's a little bit highbrow where I don't know that everyone would get it. And they'd look at there like, why is this funny? Why are only two people I chuckling? Would be, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd be laughing. Oh, so, goodness. Anyway, anything else? I, I, I said my piece. I feel good. <laughs> 
No, but I think this was a great overview of the different sources of cash uh, along with how that affects funding or maybe why you would want to do funding in that cash flow cycle. So I, great, great, great. And like you say, um, I'd encourage anybody, if you want to know more about this and more in depth, uh, go drag in and, you know, because uh, your growth by the numbers can be done as a uh, online. I know that you do some live ones as well. So yeah, so it's, uh, I, it's well worth the time and money to to understand it. So, so I'm going to go ahead and post this. If you're listening to this and you want to see it, uh, it's posted where we uh, store all of our content. You can go to jazzjune.com forward slash MMM. Uh, and that's, that's, that's the repertoire resource for all of our, uh, you know, all of our uh, downloadable content. So if you want to get this, I'll make it available. Um, but yeah, thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time. Thanks everybody.